It's the Speedway Show, an idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply. And now, here's our host, Speedway. Well, hi there, and welcome to the Speedway Show. Today, we have a very special show, and uh, I have a couple of people here with me. And we are going to talk about a really important topic. And our topic is going to be voter ID. And, in fact, the title of this show is Mabel and Congressman Keith Ellison on Voter ID. The national debate over voter ID rages on. You might have thought to yourself, well, I have an ID, so why should I care? Or, I don't have an ID, and I don't want to vote, so who cares? You might also be thinking... Mabel and the congressman? Who is Mabel? Well, Mabel is not the congressman's wife. I am the past president and continue to be involved with the Minnesota Association of Black Lawyers, or Mabel. And Mabel requested that I interview Keith Ellison, the U.S. Representative for Minnesota's 5th Congressional District, about voter ID. Also with us is Lori Ann Jones, whose term just began as president of Mabel, and I'm going to welcome both of these individuals to the show. Congressman, welcome to the Speedway Show. So glad to be on Speedway. Thank you very much. Uh, Lori Ann, I think I have you on the phone, too. Yes, thank you, Speedway. Welcome to the show. And I'm going to start with some questions for Lorianne. Now, I served, you and I served together on the Mabel board a few years back, and you're also my vice president when I was the president of Mabel. So congratulations on your new presidency. Thank you, Speedway. It's an honor to be leading this great organization, and I'm excited about this upcoming year. We're actually here because Mabel wanted to raise awareness and take a stand on the issue of voter ID. Tell us why Mabel believes this is so important. Well, the Minnesota Association of Black Lawyers, Mabel, is the leading minority bar association whose mission is to promote and to support the professional development of black lawyers, judges, and law students in Minnesota. To this end, Mabel is committed to the overall goal of representing the interests of black citizens and their community in the legal profession and in the judicial system throughout the state. Mabel believes that raising awareness on the issue of voter ID is important because requiring ID may decrease voter turnout at the polls. Voting um, is a fundamental right as an American citizen. African Americans suffered disenfranchisement in this country for over 100 years after emancipation, and not until the passage of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 did African Americans receive the same rights to vote as whites. It is reported that um, that two million more black voters turned up at the polls in 2008 than in 2004. Mabel wants to see the number of minority voters continue to rise, and bringing awareness to the voter ID issue will hopefully help people in Minnesota pay attention 
and make an informed decision before voting on the voter ID amendment, which may decrease voter turnout at the polls. I can see why that's really important. So why did Mabel choose Congressman Keith Ellison to speak out about this issue? Well, Mabel, Mabel is honored that Congressman Keith Ellison is willing to speak out about this issue. Mabel chose Congressman Ellison because he has consistently stood for individual voting rights and opposed laws and bills that disenfranchise voters. We know that Congressman Ellison is well-respected not only in Minnesota but throughout the nation for his work. Uh, thank you, Congressman Ellison, for agreeing to speak out and to be interviewed um, on this issue. Well, you know, uh, Madam President, happy to do it. As a matter of fact, you should mention it. At, you know, I'm a black lawyer, and um, I'm not sure my membership's up to date, but I do count myself as a Mabel member. So, you know, it's an honor to be working with you guys, and I'm so proud Mabel is standing up for that great tradition of uh, civil and human rights. Great, and we'd love to have you more involved in Mabel, Congressman Ellison. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, we, we, need, we need to work on it. We need to work on it. I think that's an invitation. <laughs> Definitely. So, thank you very much, Lorianne. And now I'm going to turn this uh, conversation over to Congressman Keith Allison. So, Congressman, I am sure we have all heard bits and pieces about the voter ID controversy, which is sweeping the country. Give us an overview of what it entails. Well, first of all, voter ID is absolutely unnecessary. It's already a crime to vote in the name of some other person other than yourself. And people do get prosecuted for it. It's rare because it doesn't happen much. It's not necessary. But on the occasions that it does happen, people are held accountable. But the fact is, is that photo ID and the rigid requirements that the Minnesota amendment would require would literally eliminate, we know, over 200,000 people. Why? Because... There are 200,000 people today, right now, who have registered to vote but who, have, but who do not possess a driver's license or a state ID. And so, look, this all originated from a group called the American Legislative Exchange Council, which is a right-wing outfit funded by the Koch brothers, and they took model legislation. They just wrote one bill and then sent it out to the 50 states, 34 states bit, and uh, 10 of those states actually passed legislation. In every state where they have passed this legislation, they have not done anything to stamp out fraud because there's no fraud, but they have significantly excluded voters, voters uh, including people who are deployed overseas in our armed services, voters who are senior citizens who may have been born at home. As a matter of fact, in Tennessee where they passed the law, Dorothy Cooper, African-American woman who could not vote because of the segregation laws in Tennessee, 96 years old, voted in every election after the, Civil, the Voting Rights Act was passed up until the last election when they told her, Ms. Cooper, yes, you have a picture ID from the Chattanooga Police Department, but our voter ID law does not accept this ID, so you're out. In, in Texas, they will accept a gun ID, but they will not accept a student ID. In uh, Ohio, 86-year-old World War II veteran, a man who put his life on the line to fight Hitler, was told that he didn't have an ID, so he couldn't vote. 
I mean, this is a trick and device on the same order that the 1965 Voting Rights Act was designed to prevent, and it should be stamped out now. And I'm glad the Justice Department is stepping up, but the reality is in Minnesota, we may have to just face this thing at the polls. Now, there are some court challenges, which I think are promising, but we can't count on that. We are organizing on the ground as vigorously as possible, trying to educate people about how dangerous photo ID is. And so we're trying to get the word out and helping people understand that just because they may have an ID doesn't mean everybody else does, And there, but there's no reason to believe that possession of a photographic ID issued by the state of Minnesota would make you any more of an eligible voter anymore, of a worthy voter. In fact, it's designed to suppress and cut people out. Well, we have a lot to talk about, but let's just start with the current status of voter ID in Minnesota since we're sitting here in Minnesota. You talked about all the other states. So we've got different states that have passed voter ID legislation. Where are ten of them. Okay, so where are we in Minnesota right now? Well, right now, the uh, the state legislature uh, passed a bill which the governor vetoed. And, but then under Minnesota law, they can bypass the governor by putting a ballot measure on the November ballot. So today, there is no requirement to show a, a government-issued photographic identification to vote in Minnesota. It's not required now. But it will be on the ballot, and if people vote yes, if more people vote yes than no, then uh, we will have a photographic identification requirement which will require that you have a valid ID to vote. What that will mean is that that identification card is going to have to have your current address on it. It's going to have to, um, you're going to have to present it when you vote, which will almost certainly eliminate the uh, the uh, same-day voter registration. And we don't know what it's going to do to absentee ballots because in order to vote, you have to show an ID when you vote. So that's the that's the contrary to what absentee voting is all about. So they tell us they they the opponent the proponents say it won't undermine it, but there's no workable solution, and they don't want to answer any questions. And so that's the state of the law right now. There are two court challenges, which I can elaborate on if you like, but uh, but that's the current state of affairs. We're trying to defeat it at the polls in November. Tell us about those court challenges, because my guess is that Minnesota is probably not unlike those other states where the same debate is raging. Well, let me tell you, Minnesota, the proposal to put the uh, this on the ballot is actually worse than in many other states, um, in that there are other states have had, you know, have had a few more flex, a little bit more flexibility than the Minnesota law, if passed, would allow. Um, and so we might be worse, the same kind in kind, but different in degree. And so right now the court challenges, one of them has to do with whether it is the um, the authority of the state secretary of state to put the title on the amendment or the state legislature. The state legislature put forth a very, dis, you know, a very deceptive, tricky title to get people to think that this is a benign thing and the Secretary of State retitled it to uh, say that there's putting restrictions on voting. And uh, so there's a big fight, and there's a court challenge over who has the authority to put the title on describing what the amendment would do. And so the second court challenge is on the amendment itself. 
the amendment itself, what will appear on the ballot is 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 only a, a partial um, showing of what the state legislature actually passed as the amendment. So the full bill, the full amendment, at this time is not contemplated to be stated on the ballot. So people will be voting on something, and they don't even know what they're voting fully on. Only a few paragraphs of it will be. And so, for example, um, there's nothing in there about having to present a, 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 a current ID or a so-called valid ID, whereas, I mean, the fact is if the ID is just to ID you, a picture with your name on it would be good enough. But but that but that's not what it would require, and so they're, they they're deceptively presenting it on the ballot without telling people everything it would do, and so there's a challenge based on that too. So at this point, you know it's all about tricks and lies, and hopefully the Supreme Court of the state of Minnesota will strike the whole thing down. Um, but uh, the choices are that they uphold it, strike it down, or they send it back to the legislature to have the legislature rewrite it to comport with, you know, accuracy and honesty. So that's what's going on now. Those challenges will be they'll, they'll be heard in, the, in late August, so we should know something by September uh, as to whether these t- this whole thing's going to be on the ballot. But in the meantime, we're not waiting. We are knocking on doors. We're calling people. We're having community forums. We're educating people. The thing that has me scratching my head about this is, you know, the right to vote is a constitutional right. So then any requirement that curtails that ought to be unconstitutional. So how then do we end up with 10 states already that have passed this requirement understanding that there are certain people who therefore have a constitutional right to vote who are not going to be able to vote because of this requirement? I don't get it. Well, you have a smart accurate legal mind and have asked the exact right question. And here's the answer. You have the right to not be discriminated against in voting, but you don't have a fundamental constitutional right to vote and to have your right counted. So, for example, it so the Constitution says that, you know, there will be voting. It says that, and then the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, and the 24th Amendment, and the 26th Amendment all say that you can't discriminate on the basis of age, sex, and race, but there is no constitutional right to vote. And matter of fact, voting in the Constitution is, is determined by states. So you have 50 different states that all get to sort of determine voting qualifications. So some states, so like in Vermont and Maine, you can always vote. You never lose your right to vote. In in Texas, if you commit a felony, you could never vote again. And uh, in and in some Minnesota, you can vote after you get a felony, but only after you're done with your probation or parole. Oh my gosh! So you got you got all these different. This is an anachronism. This is a throwback in time, based on uh, the way the country worked when it was originally founded. But one of the things that Jesse Jackson Jr. is working on, and I'm an original co-sponsor, is a constitutional amendment establishing the right to vote. Because at this point, uh, there is no national standard. There are no basic requirements that all states have to comport by. There is, it's a hodgepodge. And it even varies within states. 
So like in the state of Ohio, they, there are some counties that are extending their voting hours, but there are other counties that are reducing them. And guess which ones? The Republican ones are extending voting hours. The Democratic ones are restricting them or leaving them the same. And, uh, you know, some state counties get more voting machines, which means you have shorter lines. Some counties get an, a, 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 a get very few voting machines, which means they're very long lines. So there is this is a mess, and we have got to clean it up. Okay, so I have to confess. I, I, I have to confess. I live in Savage, Minnesota, and there has never been a day when I have walked in to vote where there's been a line. <laughs> Because they got plenty of voting machines in Savage, Minnesota. Well, they don't have a whole lot of people in Savage, Minnesota either. <laughs> but, you know, the the other question that comes up for me. So I've got a local affiliate uh, of NBC that I happen to see in Florida, and they conducted an investigation. And they claimed that they found more than 1,200 non-citizens on the voter rolls. And the I, the the thinking, or at least the projection, is that if we have voter ID, we will not have this kind of problem where you've got non-citizens who are registering to vote, and in fact voting. Is that true? This is absolutely untrue, because having somebody on a voter roll and having somebody actually vote is actually two different things. You can register to vote and get on a voter roll, but when you go to vote, that there's a felony if you vote inequity. So it's important to make that distinction. But the other thing is, is that we have challenged these people to find us a case of voting fraud. And there's, I mean, there, there have been like a total of 300 voting fraud cases throughout the entire United States over the last 12 years. Now, imagine, imagine that for a moment. That's not even one case per County. I mean, I mean, as a matter of fact, if you look at all the elections that we've had, literally, I mean, there, there's literally been millions and millions and millions of votes cast in that time. Now think about this. Think about we, we've had way more murders than that, you know. And again, voting illegally is a crime, and if you do it, you will be prosecuted, which is perfectly legitimate. But we, do, but, you know, you can't you can't stop people from doing bad things. And by the way. If you were determined to cast an illegal vote, you could falsify an ID. And by the way, felons who vote illegally, like in Minnesota, there's no voter imposter cases, but there are some felons who voted illegally. They have an ID. They have they have an ID because as a condition of their probation and parole, they're legally required to have one. And, but but you know, some 87 year old woman who was born on her family farm and lived there all her life, she may not have an ID. And she can, and therefore she would be excluded. But you could still, a felon could still vote because they would have an ID. And so it is absurd. Now in Florida, this is a state where they have done all types of uh, horrible things to exclude people from voting. In 2000, in the year 2000, it has since been determined, and it's beyond dispute, that Al Gore got more votes than George Bush, and yet because the Supreme Court truncated the counting and just stopped the counting when Bush happened to be ahead, he got the election, and that gave us two wars, a, and, and, uh, and, and uh, Katrina, and a whole batch of other horrible things that happened 
from an illegitimate president. So we so the, this these claims of voter fraud, they're 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 lying, they're misrepresenting, they're not telling you the truth. And here's another thing you should know about the voter voter rolls. When you go out and you uh, sign people up to vote, you register them to vote, they'll get on the voter rolls. And then what these people do on the right wing does is send them mail, and then if it comes back as having been at the wrong address, they then claim that those people lied about their address, which is not true. People move, all types of stuff, but they claim that that is evidence of fraud. It's not evidence of fraud. So whenever they throw out these huge numbers of fraud, it's usually because of this trick that they do called caging, which is to send mail to voters, and then when they come back, you know, as, you know, return to sender, they then say, oh, these people lied about where they lived or they lied about who they were. That is an absurd conclusion. And uh, it's, they just want to throw out, you know, big numbers, but it's it's false. They can't give us any voter imposter cases. In Minnesota, there was a case, there was one case that somebody found where a woman voted illegally for her daughter, and then her daughter went to the polls on that day and voted. So she voted two times. Well, that's, that's one case. It was a mistake. It wasn't even deliberately done. It certainly wasn't done for a political purpose. But one case. And by the way, they voted for Republicans. There was there 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 was there is a voter fraud case going on right now in Michigan, where Thad McCotter, who was a former member of Congress, was required to get on the ballot to have a thousand signatures. His staff falsified about eight hundred of them, and now four of his staff members are charged with serious felonies. So again, Republicans voter fraud, and of course we all know how the election in Florida was ripped up. So. If there's fraud, they're doing it. And but this is not about fraud. This is about shrinking the vote. Because if you want to cut labor rights, you don't want people who are sympathetic to labor voting. And so you want to cut the people most likely to support labor out of the election. If you want to curtail the rights of senior citizens to things like Medicare, Social Security, then if you cut them out, they won't be able to vote. If you want to cut out programs that help the poor and the working classes, then if you cut them out, they won't be able to vote. So we'll have an election, but really a false democracy, because huge numbers of people affected by law won't be able to participate in the formulation of law through the ballot box. What do you say to those who would argue that, actually, there are many commercial buildings that you can't even get into for an appointment without presenting a photo ID? So if you can't so much as get into a building without a photo ID, surely you must have one in order to do something as important as vote. Well, I say people are confusing a commercial right with a constitutional right. They're two very different things. So this morning I got on an airplane in Washington, D.C. and came back home. They required me to show my ID. I don't have a right to fly on an airplane, but I do have a right to vote. It's very different. I don't have a right to cash a check, but I do have a right to speak my mind. I do have a right to serve on a jury. I do have a right to, to, to no, I, I do have a right to be judged by a jury. I, have, these are, I don't have to show an ID if I go out and get a megaphone and start offering my opinions to the public or to write an editorial. I don't have to have a show an ID to go to a house of worship of my own choice, which is my constitutional right. 
So they're confusing basic rights with commercial activity that you don't have a right to participate in unless you have the money. And so it's just mistaken. And then usually when you have a security, uh, IDs are required, usually it's a, it's a, there's a security purpose, which is public safety. But there's no public. Nobody is shooting up. Nobody is going to be killed if I pass or if I go vote, right? And so if I go into a building with a gun and shoot people, they might want to search me and get an ID. But if I go to bad vote, it's a very different situation. So it's really just it, the, the claims of fraud are false. They're not supported by the statistics, and the, the reason behind all of this is to restrict and curtail and suppress the vote, mostly by Democrats. And so we're not going to stand for it, but we've got to make sure that, that, that people stay on their own side, that seniors vote their own interests, the young people vote their own interests, students vote their own interests by not making the mistake that, oh, well, I uh, I got to show an ID to get on the airplane, so that's the same as my constitutional rights. It's not the same as your constitutional rights. It's very different, and we got to understand that. And if I may add one more thing, Spiller, uh, um, you know, every two years I got I have to I get a job evaluation, and uh, people can vote for me or turn me out. Every six years, Amy Klobuchar, U.S. senator, gets it. State representatives get four. Different. We all have different terms. If we pass a law, just a regular statute, we, it can be amended and changed. But if you put this into the Constitution, it is there likely for good. So this is a huge deal, and people need to understand how serious this is. If they want to have a photo ID in the statute, I wouldn't agree with that, but we could go change it the next session. This is a very different thing. What kind of photo ID is required? Is it a driver's license? Is it a picture ID? You talked earlier about how if you have a hunting ID, you can vote. If you have a student ID, you cannot. Do we understand what the various types of IDs are that you would have to use? Well, I was referred to Texas in that case, but in Minnesota, the law is very vague, so we actually don't know, but it does say you have to have a valid government-issued photographic identification card to vote. And it goes on a little bit longer than that. But so we know that. Now, so if you go to Hamlin or if you go to William Mitchell, then that wouldn't be a good enough ID. But if you go to the U, that is a good enough ID? Why? I mean, presumably, presumably a, a, you, if you go to get an ID at a, at a college, it would be okay. But then, would the would the would the college ID at a state school be good enough? Because it doesn't necessarily have your current identification, your current uh, address on it. Because so maybe you'll be excluded there too. And so we do know for sure that a state issued ID, a Minnesota state issued ID, or a driver's license would work. But what we don't know is uh, would a tribal ID work? Would a military ID work? If it doesn't have your, light, your, your address, maybe it wouldn't. And so there, so there's a lot of vagueness to the law, and uh, that's one of the reasons that there has been a court challenge because, as you know, as a lawyer, uh, a, a statute can be struck down for vagueness. 
And uh, so, and, and so that, that's one of the bases for the challenge. What do you say to the person who says, hey, I have an ID. I got my driver's license. I'm good. Why should I care? Well, the reason what I say to them is, you know, in order to pass a law, it's going to take more than just your your vote. In order for for you to get somebody in office of your choice, it's going to take more than just your vote. So you have an interest in making sure that people can can that can vote more than just you. Because at the end of the day, if you, say for example, you agree with me that the Iraq War was a was a mistake, that there was no uh, weapons of mass destruction. There was that no, there was you know Saddam Hussein did not collaborate with Al Qaeda, you know all those things were false. You agree that Iraq? Well, that was a decision made by President Bush. Now, if you voted for Gore in Florida, then you may say, "Oh, I got my ID. I don't care about nobody else. I got mine." You will have just got a president that you didn't want because other people were excluded. So it is not in your interest to just look at your own ID and say that's the end of the equation. You can, I mean, why don't we compete on ideas rather than IDs? Because what is going on now, uh, if this law passes in Minnesota, is that the elected officials will not be competing for votes based on ideas. They'll be competing for votes of people who possess valid IDs, which is a smaller pool and also has a different political uh, perspective than the broader population of all people who are adults and eligible to vote otherwise. Well, in that case, then, you know, you hear grumbling every single election year, right? All the grumbling about, we don't like all the partisan politics. That's what the American people always say, right? Great, great, great. Yep. And and it, it doesn't really change. So when people hear about this issue, it seems like in the media it has really been painted as a Republican-Democrat issue, where the Republicans seem to universally say, we like voter ID, we need to prevent voter fraud, you know, never mind whether we can demonstrate its existence or not. But And then you've got the Democrats saying this is not about voter ID, this is about voter suppression, we need to speak out against it. Is this more than partisan politics? Yes, it's fundamentally an issue of democracy. But you got to understand, not everybody likes democracy. Sometimes, yeah, they don't like, sometimes the rulership of the people is something that uh, folks don't want. They want to rule themselves. They want the rulership of the elite. This is called plutocracy. So fundamentally, this is an issue of democratic participation. Now, I invite the Republicans to, 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 to argue to the American people that we don't need Social Security, we don't need Medicare, we need to be in a bunch of wars. Uh, they can argue that we need to cut taxes for the rich, we need to raise them on the middle class people. Let them try to win with that argument. And we will argue that America does better when everybody has opportunity, that we need peace and with environmental sustainability and civil rights for all. And then we'll let people decide who they want in office. But they don't want that. They want to say we're going to restrict who gets to participate at all but, and, and just make sure that the remaining pool are people favorable to our ideas. This is fundamentally not just a partisan issue. It is fundamentally an issue of democracy and uh, rule of the people. 
Well, to that point, the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, has sued several states over voter ID. In Minnesota, the ACLU sued on behalf of the League of Women Voters, uh, the Jewish Community Action, Com uh, Common Cause Minnesota, and several individuals claiming that the proposed ballot language is confusing and unclear. For the person who has listened to this conversation and is now concerned, and you talked about the language being unclear earlier and the, the issues around that, what then would you recommend that listeners do? Now that they're armed with this information, what now? Well, there's a number of things. First of all, you have a number of groups. One, uh, my campaign is, is, is working day and night. We've called 200,000 people to tell them about voter ID. We've had three voter uh, uh, meetings talking about voter ID. You can come and participate with us. You can also go and participate with our Vote Our Future. You can participate with the League of Women Voters. You can participate with a lot of groups. But if now that you know that voter ID is dangerous or photo ID is dangerous, you have a responsibility to spread the word and come participate. The least you can do is to vote no. The best you can do is get involved and help turn this bad uh, constitutional amendment back by defeating it at the polls. And we need all hands on deck because our democracy is in the balance. All right, you heard it here, all hands on deck. You are going to be able to get resources and links to a whole lot of resources on this topic and places where you can volunteer from uh, the post for the show on com, And uh, it's going to be on Facebook and Blog Talk Radio, and uh, we're going to have some links to some uh uh, pages where you can click over to Congressman Keith Ellison's website and uh, hear what he has to say and register and volunteer. So with that, Congressman Keith Ellison, thank you for accepting Mabel's invitation and joining us on the Speedway Show. Speedway, thank you so much, and I hope you have me back sometime soon. Thank you for joining us on the Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.